Uh, I was on the phone with uh, Mr. Kroll the other day, and he said, how are you doing? You, you looked a little, you know, at advisory the other day, you looked a little less than your usual self. And I said, well, Tom, um, you know, I'm concerned, you know, as I, as I see things that are going on in, in the country and um, as I see the numbers, you know, going up in our area and uh, I'm concerned about our people, I'm concerned about... Uh, what should I do as a pastor? You know, what is what is my role? How can I be of, of the best help to people and, and guide people and love people? And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm pensive, I'm prayerful. It's like, God, I just want to do my best. Um, and even though uh, I have often repeated of late that nothing will surprise me anymore, I have to admit, it was still surreal for me on Wednesday, uh, watching the events going on at the Capitol. Uh, whatever your political view, and I know they, you know, there's a lot of variation here and there, um, or your beliefs as to who was involved and to what degree, uh, it was still something I think that none of us expected to see in the United States of America. You know, we, we expect to see it at other, on TV, at other places, but, but not here. You know, not, not Americans. We don't do stuff like that. And, and I've been praying myself for, for understanding and, and, again, praying about how I should respond as uh, your pastor and how can I be a good steward of the leadership role that, that the Lord has given me and give you words of encouragement and hope and counsel in these days that we're living in. So as I've been praying about that, I really felt the Lord led me to a particular verse. And the verse is in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 2. That's going to be our text today. Proverbs 19:2. And I'm going to read this in the NIV. It says this. It is not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. It is not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. The word for zeal here in the Hebrew is nefesh, literally the word for soul. Your soul. The Bible speaks of us as humans uh, having three parts, body, soul, and spirit, right? Of course, we know the human body. Uh, the spirit is that, the, the life force that, that is in us, the real us, right? Um, but our, our soul then is our mind and our will and our emotions. So if we look at this verse in Proverbs, what, it's, what is it saying here? It's saying it's not good if your thinking, your emotions, your decisions, and, of course, actions aren't based on solid knowledge and understanding because then you will be inclined to act hastily and find that you've missed what is good, what is right, and what is the will of God. Years ago, when President Obama was running for office, one of the news stations was doing a, you know, man on the street kind of interview thing. And I'll never forget, 
uh, one woman who said she was voting for Barack Obama, quote, because I want to get some of that free money. Now, I'm sure many, if not all of us, would just shake our heads right at that kind of ignorance. And when I use that word ignorance, I'm, I'm not attacking the person's character. I, I simply point out that she was without knowledge and understanding. Right. Her acts, her thoughts and her actions were not based in an adequate understanding of economic principles. And even if we were to be completely neutral on the candidates that year, I think we can still accurately say that that was not an informed vote. I think that's fair. That was not an informed vote. But I wonder how many votes are truly informed. I wonder how many people really look beneath the surface at the issues. Um, the stands that each of the candidates take on those issues. The party platforms, where, where are they in terms of the issues? And especially as Christians, how those issues line up with the word of God. Can I be honest and tell you that there have been many times, I say that to, to, to my own fault, many times that I have not been an informed voter. Running in at the last minute, uh, voting along party lines. What good is that, right? You're just, you're just throwing it out there. Um, and, and as, as I think of that, I, I wonder how many other thoughts, how many other decisions, how many other actions of ours are likewise ignorant, lacking true knowledge and understanding of the issue at hand, especially in the age of the Internet, when there's a plethora of knowledge really at our fingertips. Isn't it? We don't have to go to the library anymore and get out all kinds of books and encyclopedias. A lot of that stuff is online. And I will grant you, especially nowadays, it seems like uh, different search engines are skewing what comes up first and, and things like that, um, which is where we're at. But if you dig a little bit, you can find good balanced information um, based on facts, um, based on studies, uh, all kinds of articles, essays, etc., so that we can frame informed opinions on the issues that are going on in, in our world, in, in our lives. But how often are we hasty in our words, in our Facebook posts, uh, giving our opinions that reflect a lot of passion, but might be, can we be honest and say that if we're challenged on some of these things by people with an, an opposing view, um, that we might not be as able to back up those opinions with facts, with knowledge, with um, historical evidences, to be able to substantiate that that we're talking about? Think of that word passion for a moment. In our text, the NIV translate that, that word nefesh as zeal. 
zeal. It's the same idea. We saw a lot of zeal or passion on Wednesday, didn't we? Now, I grant you that informed voting is really, really important. But I think it's easy to see with what you and I witnessed on Wednesday, and and, and Proverbs here agrees, that it's even more important that our passions are grounded in knowledge. Our passions are ground. Not that we should not be passionate about something, feel strongly about something, but we need to make sure that it's grounded in truth, grounded in knowledge. Because you and I, in our passions, can can hastily say and do things that we live to regret. Anybody else besides me ever done that? Right? Things that can't be undone, words that can't be taken back, things that destroy relationships, things that get people fired, things that that sever families, that sever groups, um, hurt communities, and on and on and on and on it goes. Because we've acted in those passions. Things that, like Wednesday's events, end up doing much more harm than good. What happened in all of it? What was the outcome of Wednesday? Right? It effectively disintegrated what was deemed by some to be a good and just cause. It dragged the name of the United States and our form of government through the mud, especially in the eyes of other nations, nations that have always looked to us to be an example, a shining example, nations that are are considering democracy, and now they're looking at us and saying, what do they have that, you know, isn't like the rest of the world now, right? And worst of all, obviously, it resulted in the loss of human life. Now, I'll grant you that sacrificial loss of life for the greater good has its place, doesn't it? We've seen that in times of war, um, stopping tyrants. Um, you know, there, there are times. I, I don't know of any loss of life from the development of these vaccines, but that's been done in the past, right? Um, there is a place where sacrificial loss is a good thing. But when that loss ends up in nothing in no good at all, it really gives us pause, doesn't it? All because passions got ahead of knowledge. Because getting caught up in the moment got in the way of wisdom and serious contemplation of long-term results. There was no master plan based on knowledge uh, and and preconceived, if this happens, then we'll do this strategies. There was none of that. Like like the football game yesterday, you know, there's there's moves and counter moves and and we've got this goal in mind. And if this happens, we're going to do that. If that happens, we're going to do that. There was none of that. Um, Fox News reported that, quote, uh, Bradley Ruxdales, an Illinois man arrested in Wednesday's Capitol riots, 
told local reporters that joining the protesters was the, quote, single worst personal decision of his life. Ruxdales, who was inside the Capitol on Wednesday and apologized for his actions, told CBS2 in Chicago, uh, again, quote, it was great to see a whole bunch of people together in the morning and hear their speeches, but it turned into chaos. It was zeal without knowledge, and it ended bad. A whole lot of energy, a whole lot of unity that could have been harnessed constructively, but it ended up becoming a disorganized mob without any real goal. I once sat with a World War II veteran who was finally able to get something off his chest that he had been carrying for decades. How they got off the ship in Japan in the islands and ended up taking out their zeal on innocent civilians. I'll never forget how through his tears he told me how easy it was to get caught up in it all and find himself mercilessly beating the tar out of guys that weren't soldiers at all. How easy it was to cross his own previous moral boundary because, quote, everybody else was doing it. Now, I share that to illustrate just how far things can go with normal, rational, everyday human beings like you and me who let their zeal run ahead of knowledge. And how easily we can go along with the opinions and actions of others around us without really knowing what those opinions and actions are actually built on. So, what can we learn from all of this? What can we learn from what happened Wednesday? As we consider how can we, how can you and I be better because of what happened? Number one, let's validate our own opinions. Let's substantiate those opinions. For example, many people might say socialism is bad. Why? Why? Do we really know enough about it to rationally and calmly be able to explain it to someone else, to explain the differences between socialism and capitalism, to explore the pluses and minuses of them both in a way that can actually potentially influence another person's opinion? Or do we just use catchphrases like, nothing's free, somebody's got to pay for it. And if you vote for so-and-so, you're going to destroy our country. See, you and I can say those things with a lot of passion, can't we? And I see it all over Facebook. But what happens if somebody on, quote, the other side has an honest question about how a particular socialist policy has legitimately helped a struggling group of people in another country? How would we answer that? 
You see what I mean? It's, it's not only knowing what we believe, but why? Why do we believe that? And if we don't really know the why, then all the passion, all of that passion, all of that zeal is really just a bunch of hot air. And we haven't done anything constructive. We haven't educated our fellow man. We haven't imparted into the next generation values and ideals that they can hold on to, that that, that we've answered questions honestly and sat down and discussed things so that people understand they're not just picking up the opinions of other people. They're looking at solid information and facts. And when we present those, people go, oh, okay. I see what you're talking about. Because we can present them in a way, right, that, that's, that's knowledge, not just passion. Because passion or zeal without knowledge doesn't amount to anything. So we need to substantiate our opinions. We need to validate our opinions. Make sure that we ourselves are educated on things so that our opinions aren't just out there. They're actually able to make a difference in the world. And even more important, number two, let's see how our opinions stack up against the word of God as as Christians, as believers in Jesus. In the end, the important thing isn't going to be, are we on this side or are we on that side? Is Are we on God's side? Right? Where does that opinion stack up against the word of God? Are the values and principles that we are standing up for, are they God's values? and principles as revealed in the scriptures that he's given to us. Number three, let's get our priorities straight. We need to get our priorities straight. Is it more important to voice our opinion or to build bridges with people? Again, so that we might actually influence and educate somebody rather than just drawing a line in the sand, rather than just taking an opposing side. What does that do? And again, looking at priorities and and building bridges with people, why would we want to do that as Christians? To maybe lead somebody into a relationship with Jesus Christ? Something that has eternal ramifications? Right? Isn't that our foremost goal in life? So is it more important to push that opinion and be right? Or is it more important to build bridges of of respect and value with the people around us? Got to get our priorities straight. Showing kindness, graciousness, respect, and a willingness to listen so that we might earn the right to be heard. Building bridges. 
Number four, we got to keep our heads. We got to keep our heads. We got to be slow to speak, the Bible says, slow to anger or any other passion for that matter. Again, it's not wrong to be passionate. It's not wrong to have zeal. It's not wrong to strongly believe in something. But we need to respond thoughtfully and not react hastily. Proverbs 16.32 says, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. He who rules his spirit. I like that. Ruling our spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not jumping on something, you know, but going, okay, take pause here. Lord, what's, what's the priority here? What's the priority here? How often do we win the, win, win the battle and lose the war? Right? We got to think long term. What am I going to accomplish in this Facebook post? What am I going to accomplish by shutting that person down? What's really going to happen? And, and again, eternally, am I going to put a hindrance in someone's way for them coming to Christ? Or is being right all that matters? Zeal is good, but not without knowledge. And number five, and this should happen if we're lining our opinions up with the word, God, the word of God, we must not let this spirit of division that is just overcoming our society that we're seeing it all over. We cannot let this spirit of division infiltrate the body of Christ. Of all people that you and I should be loving and kind to and respectful of, showing value to, is our fellow believers in Jesus. Even if we disagree, right? And especially if we disagree. Galatians 6.10, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Remember, Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot stand. And if we, his people, are going to stand strong in this world that we live in, if we're going to stand strong and overcome, we're going to do it together, aren't we? If we're going to succeed in the purposes that he has given us as a church, if we're going to reach the lost, if we're going to have an impact in our community and in our society, we're going to do it because we are together. Didn't Jesus say, by this will all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another? We need to be one. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning verse 1 says, Therefore, I therefore, 
a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. If we can do these things, if we can learn from what happened Wednesday, if we can better ourselves from what we what transpired in our country on Wednesday, then maybe, just maybe, some good can come out of it. Some positive can come out of it. Amen. So let's let's pray. Oh Lord. We want to walk in this world as you would have us to walk. God, that we would not be seen as just religious blowhards, Lord, all the more as we see uh, religious persecution coming, that, that we can honestly and adequately um, with, with information and knowledge and understanding, be able to talk with people reasonably and give them things to think about rather than, again, just drawing lines in the sand and saying, we're right. Jesus, you, when you walked among us, you, you bucked the status quo. You, you did things um, that people were not expecting. And you spoke with authority. And, and you even challenged uh, things that, the traditions and things that were going on. But you always brought it back to scripture. And you defended your actions. Quietly, humbly, um, with truth. Help us to be like you, Lord. And help us in these days. Lord, as as I see the, the apostles in the book of Acts, even as the persecution against the church started, and they and they they raised their voices to you, Lord, and they cried out, Lord, would you stretch forth your hand to heal? And to do signs and wonders in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Lord, even then, they wanted to serve. They wanted to bless those that were coming against them. They wanted to show your love in tangible ways, Lord, so that people's lives could be changed. Help us, Lord, to follow in their footsteps and to stand strong. 
in the future that we have here. We thank you for it, Lord. Give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In your most awesome name we pray. Amen.